I've uh, entitled this 10th message in our Galatians series that will take us through to uh, the last Sunday in May, actually, with a bit of interruption with Palm Sunday theme message and Easter theme message and then Mother's Day uh, message that Pastor Crystal, our children and family ministry pastor, will be, will be speaking. Uh, but this 10th message titled, Paul Gets Personal. Paul is the writer of most of the New Testament. If you're just kind of in, in seeking mode, I, I say way to go to you. Uh, keep asking the questions. And as you kind of put the dots together, connect the dots on what it means to be a Christ follower, exploring the New Testament, exploring uh, the Gospel of John is a great place to start. Uh, but the guy named Paul that you uh, will hear a lot about, he's the writer of the letter we're looking at. He's the writer of about half of the New Testament. He used to be a, a persecutor of Christians, actually, in the, in the first century. And Jesus interrupted his path in life, and his trajectory was changed, his heart was changed, his eternity was changed, and he became really, you know, probably the greatest missionary uh, of, uh, Kelly would be a close second, um, but, but uh, greatest missionary of, of, of casting the gospel, and that's what he's doing here. Um, in, in this passage that we're looking at today, we see the mutual affection between the Galatians, the, the believers from the region of Galatia, and, and the writer of this letter, again, uh, the Apostle Paul, and that title just means sent one, and, and he was by, by Jesus. Sometimes we get personal and we don't mean to. Just going to let that hang out there. That's kind of an awkward statement, Marlo. Well, a few years ago, I'm in my office working. Just random. I'm not saying I do this. I should do it more. I texted my wife a simple message that just came to my mind and heart. I love you only to realize I accidentally hit our office administrator Maureen's text thread, and she was working in the front office. I don't know, I don't know what she did there, but personal. Paul gets personal. Have you ever had a great relationship with someone, but that changed? Something infected the relationship that probably didn't need to, and it saddened you, maybe even frustrated you. Well, Paul knows all about that in this passage. And I, I want you to feel the emotion of, of, of this in, in, in this passage today. And I want you to see how much Paul loves the Galatian believers, even though he knows that they've been influenced away from loving him as they once did, and even of greater concern to Paul is that they've been influenced away from the true gospel good news message of grace by these Judaizers. And if today is your first day connecting in with us and you haven't been with us, uh, we've, we've reminded everybody that the, the Judaizers were people that were teaching something that was not biblical. They were adding religious works to the good news, New Testament message of the gospel of grace, grace alone. 
We receive forgiveness and eternal life by grace alone, that which we do not deserve. And the Judaizers were, were, were adding from their religious tradition of Judaism works to the message of the gospel that they said they were embracing, but they were editing it. It's easy to sense the pain that's in Paul's heart as he writes this part of his letter. Many of these believers were likely led to Jesus personally by Paul himself. He had spent time with them. He had eaten meals with them and fellowshiped with them, connected with them in their homes. He had walked closely with them through their difficult times. And, and Paul knows these people well. He had seen them turn away from false religion and receive God's gift of forgiveness in Christ. Paul was with them through his own time. Uh, as we'll see in the passage, his own time of sickness where they uh, welcomed him and cared for him. But then something changed in how they perceived Paul and his gospel message. And, and Paul was perplexed about, about how this could happen. The influence of false teaching. If, if Paul lived today, he, he could have aired all this out in fa on Facebook, right? <laughs> like, like some people do putting their private stuff out there. I, I'm not on Facebook much, but there's times when I see something that someone says publicly, and occasionally I want to say, maybe, maybe you should just have that conversation offline, one-on-one -on -one with that person, because it's obviously eaten at you. We don't all need to know that. So anyway, did I, did I just say that out loud? Oh, anyway. Um, our passage today. Chapter 4 of Galatians 12 to 20. Hope you, hope you bring your Bibles to church or your app, Bible app on your phone. If you don't have a Bible, please let me know. If you're engaging online, don't have a Bible, contact the church office. We'd love to get a Bible to you. Listen as I read. Paul says, Dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to live as I do in freedom from these things. For I have become like you Gentiles, and Gentile is just a term for a non-Jew in, in the New Testament. I've become like you Gentiles, free from those laws. You did not mistreat me when I first preached to you. Surely you remember that I was sick when I first brought you the good news, the gospel, right? Uh, but even though my condition tempted you to reject me, you did not despise me or turn me away. No, you took me in and you cared for me as though I were an angel of God or even Christ Jesus himself. Where is that joy and grateful spirit you felt then? I am sure you would have taken out your own eyes and given them to me if it had been possible. Interesting statement, hey? Verse 16, have I now become your enemy because I am telling you the truth? Those false teachers are so eager to win your favor, but their intentions are not good. They are trying to shut you off from me so that, they, so that you will pay attention only to them. If someone is eager to do good things for you, that's all right. But let them do it all the time, not just when I'm with you. Oh, dear children, I feel as if I'm going through labor pains for you again, and they will continue until Christ is fully developed in your lives. I wish I were with you right now so I could change my tone, but at this distance, I don't know how else to help you. Interesting passage. 
There's a lot here, and we, we won't be able to unpack every phrase, of course. But, but notice first the endearing terms Paul uses. In verse 12, dear brothers and sisters. And then verse 19, my dear children. The, the, these terms of affection kind of bookend this passage and show us just how Paul sees his relationship with these Christ followers. He says, we're, we're brothers and sisters. We are family why do 70 songs pop into my head so often? And you've got to be probably at least 40 to know that one. And again, I'm, I'm not, I'm not going to sing it. No, I'm not going <laughs> to. Friends. My dear children. Dear brothers and sisters. These endearing terms... Or quite a contrast from the previous chapter, chapter 3, verse 1, where he said, Oh, foolish Galatians! <laughs> and then he went on to remind them again about how obeying the Old Testament and the laws is not how we enter into a relationship with God, nor is it the way we get into heaven. And yet, through the influence, again, of false teachers, they had come to think that way. And yes, Paul loves these people, but he's, he's frustrated with them and, and concerned because their eternity is at stake if they, if they believe that false teaching, actually. It's big stuff. It's the same for us. If we're depending on our goodness, our good deeds to outweigh our bad deeds in the end, it's not the way. It's not even possible. And, and that's good news. And then verse 12, he continues, Paul does, and says, I plead with you to live as I do in freedom from those laws. Throughout this message series, we've mentioned freedom from the law numerous times, haven't we, if you've been with us from the beginning? And that's not because we think you're slow at learning, okay? <laughs> it's because Paul thought the Galatians needed to hear that repeatedly. The important truth, that their salvation did not does not depend on them following Old Testament Jewish rituals was, in Paul's mind, worth some redundancy. And so in verse 12 here again, Paul comes back to pleading with them to not live under that burden. You don't have to. And Paul's not being arrogant when he says, live as I do. It's not an arrogant statement. He, he's just saying that he, he lives what he teaches, and, 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 and that's trusting solely in God's grace for eternal salvation. Paul's message is that Jesus came and fulfilled the requirements of the law for us on, on our behalf. And, 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 and again, friends, that, that's, that's good news. That's freedom. And Paul is simply saying, I'm living in that freedom, and, and, and I implore you to join me in living that way. Also, when Paul says, I live as I do, I think he's reminding all Christ followers that one of the important ways for us to grow closer to Jesus in our own relationship is, is by relationship itself with others. Looking to someone who's further down the road in their walk with Christ than we are, who can who can disciple us, who can be a spiritual mentor and inspiration to us. There's a New Testament pattern of looking to other people for guidance in Christian growth, in spiritual growth. Not, not to look at them in the same way we look to Jesus, obviously, who's unfailing, right? Unlike anybody we look to. But, but godly examples in our lives, still so, so vital 
for our, for our spiritual de- development. And if that's something that is lacking in your life, I want to encourage you to begin to make that a matter of prayer. Seriously, to, to begin to talk to God and, and express your desire to have a relationship like this and a relationship with at least one person with, that, that, that is looking to you for that influence in, in their walk with Christ. Very, very important. So moving on in our passage, Paul, Paul finds himself hinting that he perceives that they have a problem of some kind with him. Note the phrase in the last part of verse 12. You did not mistreat me when I first preached to you. The implication? So what happened? (laughs) What changed in this? And Paul reflects back on their time together on his, uh, what was his first missionary journey of four? Uh, And you can read the historical narrative of of this uh, time with the Galatian believers that he spent with them in Acts 13 and 14. I encourage you to do that later. And then verse 13, he says, surely you remember that I was sick when I first brought you the good news. Now, there's various ideas about what his sickness was, but we're not totally sure. Some think it may have been a a malaria uh, situation, or some think uh, some type of eye, uh, eye, visual challenges, eye ailment. Over in Galatians 6, 11, Paul wrote this phrase. He says, see what large letters I use as I write to you with my own hand, indicating that it it could have been something like that. Uh, Whatever it was, Paul is simply reminding them that their relationship got off to a beautiful start with their genuine care for him at what was a physically challenging, a time of challenge for him physically. And Paul was weak uh, physically, but still committed to sharing the good news of the gospel because he loved them so much. And, and they embraced him in, in, in his illness. And as the, uh, the first part of verse 14 says, but even though my condition tempted you to reject me, you did not despise me or turn me away. No, you took me in, cared for me as though I were an angel of God or Jesus Christ himself. He's not saying he's an angel. He's certainly not comparing himself to Jesus Christ. He's just, he's just trying to convey how, how open-hearted uh, the, uh, the, uh, how open-heartedly the, the people in Galatia received him. In verse 15, Paul asks, where is, where is that joyful and grateful spirit you felt? What happened? What happened to that? Have, have you had seasons, as I have, in life when you, you, you just suddenly kind of noticed that the joy, the joy is is gone, or it's not there to the degree that it has been at times past. It, it, it used to be there, this, this joy. Even in difficult times, that joy was a part of my, my mind and my heart, kept me afloat. Hopefully you've walked that out. Hopefully you have a friend who will ask you the question that Paul is asking the Christians in Galatia here. What happened to that joy? Where's that grateful attitude? that you used to be known for? How, how, how would you respond if a friend asked that question of you? I, I, I hope I wouldn't get defensive, right? It's not surprising that Paul notices a lack of joy in their lives. You see, it's the, it's the free gift of salvation that brings joy. As we ponder that, that's a way to cultivate joy in our hearts, that's for sure. To ponder the grace-filled message that it's by faith alone in Christ alone that we receive his forgiveness and eternal life. (laughs) But as we 
begin to you know, bank on our performance in terms of earning God's favor, huh, that will cause joy to leak out of our lives for sure. Uh, under the crushing burden to be good enough. It's on you. Oh. And that, that's what was happening here. And Paul notices, what happened to the joy he used to have? There's a reason for that being gone. Paul had been telling them that they have been getting off track as they listen to the false teachers tell them it's all about performance. And Paul starts to see the reaction of some of the Galatian believers as he speaks this uh, correction into their life. Verse 16, Paul says, Have I become your enemy because I'm telling you the truth? That may seem like a strange comment to some, but if, if you've ever been in leadership and spoken what needs to be spoken into someone's life, even though you say it lovingly and humbly, and we must, but, but you're truthful about whatever it is, then you may know that you can suddenly become the enemy. And where there was friendship, that person now doesn't want to be around you or, you know, whatever the case. That's what Paul is experiencing here. I, I know that experience, sadly. It's hard. And again, this is what we're seeing in Paul's words here. He's, he's grieved. He's grieved by this. They've, they've journeyed together in life and in Christ. But there's been a change. And he gets personal and talks about it. Some of you, you don't, you don't have to necessarily be in leadership. Some of you know this experience on a friendship level. You've spoken the truth in a, in a completely loving and gentle way with a, a, a genuine motivation to, to, to help your friend because you realize that we all have blinders on, right? But sadly, that turned you into the enemy. And sometimes there's nothing you can do about that except pray for that person and, and for the attitude of your own heart in, in, in that, right? Maybe, maybe, maybe that's a word for somebody today. Pa- Paul knows what, what you're going through in that, if that's your experience. We may sometimes think that we have only two different options, that, that we can either be gracious or we can be truthful, but not both. <laughs> that's, that's not true. You know it, I'm sure. Remember what John, the Gospel of John 1, 14 says about Jesus? That he was full of grace and truth. He was full of grace and truth. And we can be as well. Paul spoke very direct truth into the lives of these Galatian believers because he knew the false teachers were uh, manipulative and their message was not the message that Jesus had passed on to his apostles to be disseminated throughout the centuries as we have it today. And so Paul calls it like he sees it. Verse 17 and 18, those false teachers are so eager to win your favor, but their intentions are not good. They're trying to shut you off from me so that you will pay attention only to them. Paul gets personal. 
But it's not personal in the sense we may think. It's personal because he loves these people so much he wants them to know and live and embrace the gospel truth fully. And they're getting off course. These false teachers wanted to cut the believers off from the Apostle Paul in hopes that they would begin to follow only them and their legalistic teaching. I want to say this, that our, uh, our goal and, and calling as pastoral leaders here is to make followers of Christ that I and we are, are still in process of growing in, right? Not from a condescending way. I'm made of the same stuff as you, as I often say. But, but our, our calling as pastoral leaders is to make followers, of, not followers of us, but followers of Christ. And, and yes, Paul said in the New Testament letter of Corinthians, he said, follow me. But a key part of the rest of that sentence are the four words, as I follow Christ. Fundamental. So, I preach, uh, we Preach God's truth so, so that you grow in your love and obedience to Jesus, not so that you'll grow more enamored with us, God forbid. If we're preaching for any other motivation other than the spiritual and discipleship growth of people, that's a lot of things. And it's certainly not God-honoring and it, it's, it's manipulative. Just felt I wanted to express that honest heart today. And so when you hear teaching as is so available online and what have you, and much of it is good, but much of it deserves caution for sure, or you read a new book by some Christian author, ask the question, is this teaching pointing me toward a man or a woman or, or a group, or, or is it pointing me toward Jesus, loving him more and becoming more like him? As a matter of fact, ask that question about the teaching you hear at Eaglemont. Remember this, that the best protection against any false teaching is to know the truth, right? Is to really know the truth. And, and that's why we consistently here uh, stress the importance of, of reading, daily reading God's Word and knowing His Word, the Bible. Uh, when you know what God says in His Word, you'll be able to recognize false teaching more easily, of course. And as you listen to something or you, or you read something, you might even find yourself once in a while saying, that, that didn't sound right. Okay, let's, here's the plumb line, <laughs> right? That's good. That's good. Do that with what you hear here. Moving on, verse 19. Paul says, oh, my dear children, I feel as if I'm going through labor pains for you again. And they, the labor pains, will continue until Christ is fully developed in your lives. That's what Paul wanted. Paul's expression here displays his love for them as spiritual children. Now, ladies, those of you who have given birth to children, you probably picked up on Paul's comment here. Let's be, let's be clear. I'm with you. Paul does not know what childbirth pain is, right? And gentlemen, if, if you ever downplay that, 
It's not going to go well for you. <laughs> Young men, you've been warned, okay? But Paul is saying that as your spiritual parent, there's pain in being the one to help you grow in Christ. I mean, it sounds similar to physical parenting, doesn't it? Uh, there's, there's sometimes pain that comes with loving and caring so much. And you never stop being a parent. Paul is simply expressing the truth that there's there's stress and there's pain that comes with being the, uh, the teacher, the, the pastor, the coach. And pastor is just another word for shepherd. So you can actually have a, pasture, a pa- pastoring uh, posture and interaction with someone and, and not have the biblical title. As a matter of fact, I see that played out often in our church family, and it's beautiful. There's a lot of pastors in this church that are our small group leaders. And they're shepherding. Anyway, it's awesome. But, uh, but Paul is expressing this truth that, that there's stress and pain that comes with being all of this. Being the coach, being the encourager, being the one to walk compassionately alongside people in their joys and their sorrows and their, and, and their, and their victories and their defeats. It's tough at times. It's hard. It's a, but it's a privilege. It's a privilege. Paul suffered and sacrificed much for Christ's followers everywhere he served. And he was willing to walk the path because he knew that he had a God-given role in getting others to the finish line. And actually, you know what? We all do as, as the body of Christ, looking out for one another, sharpening one another. As Proverbs says, as iron sharpens iron. That's what interaction, healthy, godly Sometimes the words of challenge and inspiration and sharing scripture and praying for one another as iron sharpens iron. We, we, we get there together and we help each other get there. It's awesome. I, I hope you engage with this. And that takes commitment. That takes more than just parachuting in on a Sunday and then leaving quick. There's more. There's more that God has. You find a place of serving because you... Rub, start to rub shoulders and build relationships with people. Or you connect with a small group because of the value of exactly what we're talking about here. And it's mutually strength-giving. And many of you know that from receiving and the joy of giving that word of encouragement in the context of a of a small group or a, or a serving environment or after church on a Sunday where you, you, just, you, you choose not to just have small talk, but you, you're, you're off with a coffee or somewhere after church is c- concluded and you don't rush off, but you, you say, God, you might want to use me today to inspire somebody. So help me to be courageous enough to ask with meaning, are you doing okay? Maybe you are. I'm not necessarily noticing anything, but are you, are you doing okay? And, and maybe if they're honest, there's a moment of connection in the spiritual realm of prayer and support and encouragement. And you just changed, potentially. Maybe the eternal tra- trajectory of somebody because you paused to say, God, use me. This kind of way that that Paul is being used, but that is for all of us. Please take that to God in prayer.
How are you going to reshape your, your spiritual MO to, to, to experience some of this? Paul was so committed. Oh, man. You go over to, uh, again, uh, the letter of uh, 2 Corinthians in the New Testament, chapter 11. I mean, he talks about what he experienced and what he was willing to go through for the sake of the gospel, for the sake of the spiritual development of people, for the sake of people coming to Christ, for the sake of his life being used as a conduit of God's love and grace. And he went through the ringer. Life's hard. We know that. Paul knew that. But he didn't, he didn't quit. He didn't quit on God. He didn't quit on God's church. <laughs> Some of the churches that Paul planted himself were Crazy stuff, incest going on in the Corinthian church. Lawsuits in the body, ter- like terrible stuff. But he, but he didn't quit on the church. He just, he just knew the church was filled with imperfect, sinful human beings. And he was going to stay committed. And if you've been hurt in the church, don't give up on the church. Let God say, you know what? <laughs> that was my experience but I'm going to contribute in a way in the future to God's good idea of the body of Christ in a way that he can bring health and encouragement and strength through my life, through my influence, through my deeds, through my words, through my encouragement to the body, right? Back to Paul and his experience. He writes there, oh man, he worked hard. He was in prison many times. He was whipped times without number because he wasn't supposed to be preaching about Jesus in a lot of these places. He faced death again and again. Five times he received 39 lashes from the Jewish leaders who also didn't want him talking about Jesus. He went through all of this. And and then later, verses 25 and 28 in the same chapter, three times I was beaten with rods. I was stoned of the rock type. Three times I was shipwrecked. Once I spent a whole night and day adrift at sea. I traveled long journeys. I faced danger from rivers, from robbers. And then he goes on to talk about the dangers. He says, I've endured many sleepless nights. I've gone without food. I've shivered in the cold. Wow. And then he gets to verse 28 of 2 Corinthians 11. And he adds one more thing that is... To, to, to this already unbelievable list of difficulties that he's faced. And, and this final one is, is an emotional drain and a spiritual weight that uh, a loving pastor knows well. And he says, besides all this, <laughs> I have the daily burden of my concern for the churches. And concern is a light word, I think there that doesn't really express the full context of what he's feeling in this. And and remember, the the churches, he means people, obviously. That's what biblically the church is, people. The, The weight of the spiritual concern that a shepherd has for his or her flock when that shepherd is called by God and when that shepherd cares is really hard to put into words. I get, I'm not comparing myself to Paul at all. But, but, I, but I, get, I, I have a little window in, into Paul's words here. That means you, Eaglemont family, are deeply loved and cared for and prayed for by those whom God has appointed in this local church as your spiritual shepherds. 
And my mind, as I say that, goes to the, the many significant challenges that you're facing. Many that I know about, some I, I'm sure I don't know about. That gets the pastor's heart. and it, In Marlowe, it leaks out the eyes. You know that. You're loved. You're cared for. And I, 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 I speak that confidently on behalf of the whole pastoral team. All consider it a privilege to serve God in the role that he has called us to and, and journey together with you. And, and in that, so many times, we're encouraged ourselves. It's the body of Christ doing what it does. It's beautiful. Paul says that this... This care and concern will continue until Christ is formed in you. When does that end? <laughs> For all of us? Not until we're in heaven. Whenever that is. By God taking us there, as the New Testament talks about, or by us passing from this life and into His presence eternally as Christ followers. I'm a work in progress. Until then, until that time. And as long as we're in this world, that character formation will be an ongoing process. And Paul wanted them to know that he was that committed to them and their spiritual well-being. And, and by the way, there's no, short, there's no shortcuts to having the character of Christ formed in us. There's, there, there, no, no matter what some book titles might seem to promise you. Six steps to a better you now. Not so much. The preaching and teaching of God's word is not merely about creating a better version of you or me. It's actually about dying to ourself. Dying to what I want. Dying to what I think is best. Dying to my will. Dying to my desires because I know Christ's life lived through me is the best. Because he, what? Knows me best and loves me most. And again, in the book of Galatians, we go back a little ways to Galatians chapter 2, where, where Paul said, and we'll skip to slide 26, uh, where, where he said, my old self has been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. So I live in this earthly body by trusting in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. Why wouldn't I trust in the Son of God? He loved me and gave himself for me, died for me. Ah. <sighs> We're out of time. I, I want the preaching of God's word to bring this question to your mind. So what? Not in, not in a disrespectful way, of course. Maybe a better way to frame it is, so what does that mean for me in how I grow in my walk with Christ and obedience to him? I hope there's something today. We've kind of, this is the way it is when you walk through a passage from Paul. It's like, oh, that, oh, oh, it's my, I fit right in there. <laughs> but I hope there's something today that you can latch on to. What would it look like if Christ was to be increasingly formed in you? What would need to change or what would need to be added in your life for the character of Jesus to develop in you in a, in a greater way? And, and again, there are probably numerous uh, things that would, 
that could come to your mind or that you could think about right now. And the Holy Spirit may lead you in another direction, but one thing I hope you're drawn to today that I mentioned a little while ago in this message would be the priority of quality relationships with other Christ followers that takes work and that will lead to disappointment. Just know it. <laughs> but in Christ's way of doing life as a Christ follower, it's part of his way. It's part of his way. That you would have somebody that would sharpen you and that you would have someone in your life that you are sharpening. I, I want to I pray as we close. See, this, this thing about relationships, just before I do, yeah, messy sometimes. But if we don't let God grow our character through relationships with others, the alternatives, what are they? Are just settling in our hurt and becoming angry and bitter. And that's toxic to us, spiritually and emotionally and otherwise, and, and, and toxic to all the relationships that we have in life. So that's not an option. That's not an option. I want to pray for God, for those that this applies to. I, I want to pray into God leading you and, and bringing someone into your life that will spiritually sharpen you. And that you can, to use the term, pay it forward. The discipleship process would not end with you. But you would pray that God would use you in someone else's life. And also, I want to pray, if you're experiencing a fractured relationship because of what we talked about earlier in the message about you spoke the truth. In, in love, you spoke, the, or maybe not in love, and you need to revisit that and ask forgiveness for the way you said what you said. Maybe what you said was true, but the way you said it, you need to revisit. Whatever, whatever the case. But if you're experiencing a fractured relationship because you spoke truth, then I, I'm going to pray God's wisdom for you to see that relationship restored as much as depends on you. It's not always possible, but as, as much as depends on you. And so if those things are a prayer point in your life that you would want prayer for, I want you just to, as you sit there, as a posture of receiving what God would have for you in this moment, to open your hands, not, it's not, nothing weird, it's just a posture of, and the Bible talks about lifting holy hands, right? And, and, and a posture of, of receiving what God would want now and in the days ahead in, in these areas. Bow your heads and pray with me. Heavenly Father, I do pray right now for those in this room who have a desire to walk in relationship with someone who's, who, who's deeper in their walk with you than, than they are, who's stronger, who's walked m more years and has matured in the faith. And, 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 and there's a desire to have somebody in their life where there's meaningful relationship, where discipleship can happen. I pray in Jesus' name that you'd bring that person into their life. May they make this a matter of prayer in the days ahead. And Lord, I pray for those who are experiencing a broken relationship because of something they chose to speak into someone's life. That in that relationship, you'd bring 
healing and wholeness, strength. Restore, restore that broken relationship, I pray, in agreement with those individuals right now. In Jesus' name, amen.